0: well hello and welcome back to my business playbook it's so good to have you with me today now you are in for a real treat because we are joined by anita seek anita is a lawyer turned brand and copy strategist and founder of word which is a human-centered brand strategy and copywriting house that specializes in helping brands stand out and sell through psychology and words oh my goodness this conversation is Really, really cool. Now, Anita is one of those people where she not only is really good at what she does, she's incredible at communicating it in a way that makes it easy for you to understand. So I know you're going to walk away with something actionable today and I know that you're going to feel inspired by her startup journey as well. So be sure to tune in, listen to the end if you love it please share it with a business buddy, please leave us a review, but let's dive in to my conversation with the wonderful Anita Seek of Wordfetty. Anita, I am so glad to be chatting with you today and to have you on the show talking all things copywriting, all things strategy for communication. How the heck are you? It's so good to see you.
1: So good to chat with you and hang out with you. We were just chatting about how it's like we've been
0: uh, internet friends for a little bit now. So this is exciting. I know. It's like our first date. It's like our first friend date, which is cute. Hey. Hey. hey, hey. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't Hello. know it was that. <laughs> well, tell us about what you do. Tell us about Wordfetti, Brandfetti, all the wonderful things that you're doing. All the fatty, All yeah, the fatty. Okay. <laughs> So, hello, I am
1: Anita. Um, I am the founder of Word Fetty. Uh, we are a human centered brand strategy and copywriting house. And I like to pretty much just distill it as we help brands that don't like to do normal uh, stand out through psychology and words so we do that in a number of different ways we do that through our flagship course we also have series of uh, off-the-shelf copywriting templates and of course done for you client work and strategy so yeah and brand fetty is the podcast so uh, and then we also have an offer called caption fetty I really should trademark fetty
0: you should I'm gonna do that. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. You're such a lawyer by being like, crap, I need to actually do that. Right. I need to trademark these bad boys. So tell us about like, how did you start? Because your journey of starting the business is super interesting and really inspiring. And I want to hear how you kind of came to be in this business.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, Look, I wish I could tell you that it was like, look, I knew I wanted to run my own business and be a copywriter and write words, but that was definitely not the case. There were so many other different things that I think I trialed, failed and all of that. So I think to go back a little bit, I I actually used to be a lawyer. So I uh, wrote things people never really read. Uh, unless things go wrong. <laughs> so policies and um, all of those things. And uh, so I probably lasted in, so I worked in government. I also worked in private, but that didn't last long. Um, <laughs> but I only really lasted in the corporate arena for around three-ish years. Yeah. So I studied uh, psychology uh, and law uh, back in university. And to be honest, if I'm to reflect back the biggest reason why I embarked on this journey to be a lawyer was really because I didn't know anything else. Like, how are you supposed to know what you're supposed to do with your life in like in your twenties? And my parents being the, traditional Asian parents that they are were just like, do you, Anita, the most stable route is to be either a doctor or a lawyer. And Anita doesn't like blood. And I also at one stage wanted to be a vet because I love animals. But then I also realized that you would have to put animals down as a vet. And oh, I'm like, heck yeah. no, I would, cr- I would be the one crying. <laughs> so Laura, it was, um, and you know, the journey has been, um, you know, ups and downs, roller coaster, whatever analogy we want to uh, put it. But I think, you know, th- Wordfetti was probably my third uh, side gig that I trialed. So I actually, when I figured out when I was in the corporate arena that I didn't really want to be a lawyer and didn't want to do this f- like five ever, I <laughs> trialed a number of different things just on the side. And again, always seeing it as, you know, I'm just going to stay in this corporate job and these side hustles are just going to add to create that happy pie for Anita, right? So uh, I was a, I did photography for a little bit. That was random. I did I didn't photography. know that. But, uh, yeah, I did. It didn't last long just because you can hold a camera doesn't mean you should be a photographer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but look, I still love taking photos, uh, but uh, that lasted maybe six months. I took photos at weddings a loved it actually. Uh, but it just wasn't my thing. I then also started a little uh, succulent plant business with my mum. That didn't last long either. Uh, so we were, mum has all these beautiful like cacti to su- succulent things all over our family home and we decide to do it and put it online and sell it. And we sold things, but what didn't work out well was Anita has a brown thumb and she kills terrariums. Uh, I've killed a terrarium before. I've killed cacti before all the things you can't kill I've killed. So when people ask me questions about it, it was not a great time. So (laughs) I, um, Word Fetty was the third one. Um, and it grew so organically, but I do, I do have to say, um, it was crickets for a good 10 months. Yeah. It was, I was putting things out there online on Instagram was my chosen platform, um, writing blogs, writing content. It was crickets for 10 months, like literally nothing, but, but it was fine. Cause I had a corporate job and yeah. I wasn't out there trying to find clients, but, um, I definitely still remember the first time someone emailed through and was just like, Hey, I've been following you for the last six, seven months. Which, by the way, for all the listeners listening, like is just, I think so often we get caught up in this idea of we're doing social media or doing marketing and it's not resulting in immediate results. Mm -hmm. Well, it takes time for your audience to build trust. So yeah, and
0: here we are today, uh, five and a half, nearly six years uh, into the biz. Wow. And you've gone from, what I love about your business is that you've had this evolution of, you've gone from starting out side hustle to doing like only done for you and now you're actually coaching people and allowing them to diy as well as um done for you as well i love the kind of evolution of your business i think it's it's a really beautiful kind of an inspiring way that you've built the business as well how did you how did you continue this trajectory that you've had? Because you've just had growth on growth on growth. How have you kind of, like, how has it gone from, okay, now we're doing client work to, oh my gosh, we, we don't, we're booked out. How do we grow from here? How, what was that like for you?
1: I love this question and it is probably, I wish I could be like, it was so easy. It was so (laughs) seamless and so organic. And it was just so like, it made sense, but it didn't make sense. Like I had, it was really hard, Laura. Like I think, you know, when you start a business, you are at the very beginning, you're excited, people believe in you and all of that. But then, you know, we don't, we don't graduate or finish university and walk out of a corporate job to know exactly how to run a business. Like running a business versus being able to do something well. So for example, copywriting is completely different. You could be a really great copywriter, but when it comes to running a business, it's a completely different set of skills. Yes. I think when it comes to starting a business, when I, when I reflect back, um, one of the biggest mistakes I think I made was, you know, I was really growing the business for the first two, three years and I had incredible mentors. So I do want to say that, but I was really growing the business based on what, I, what everyone thought was success. So as such, like I saw, you know, copywriting agencies or saw saw brand agencies, I saw graphic design agencies and I had no idea what success meant for me. But I looked at that and was like, okay, that, that looks successful. So maybe we grow by hiring and we do something like that. And, you know, that's the biggest mistake I made because I don't think for an up until around the third year into business was when I actually paused and considered, whoa, 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 hang on. What does success actually mean for Anita? Not that person, not that person, with all due respect, not that mentor, and not what the partner or what, mm. you know, the mother thinks. But what does it actually mean for me? But what it what does it actually feel like for me? And that was when I got really intentional with how I wanted to feel, because I know if I wanted to create a business that wasn't just driven purely by getting a job done or time, uh, purely based on time um, and also get really clear on the impact we wanted to create, we had to figure out what that looks like for us without trying to follow some three-step roadmap or some other type of way to scale a business. And that was when we then- this is just before the COVID actually. Um, but we decided to completely envelope everything that we did because we were booked out three, four months in advance. Sometimes five months. And that sounds great, but I just want to say this is not sustainable. Mm. When a business is booked out, that is not sustainable. Like you can't scale when you are booked out. And, you know, it, you you it's great for cash flow, because you know, but that is not a scalable business when it is yeah. all booked out, yeah. you know? So that was when we enveloped our everything that we did um, and decided to pretty much share it out there. Uh, we did do this though. We decided to do this, p- not pivot, but I guess this idea of creating a digital arm just in the beginning of 2020. Without knowing that the freaking pandemic would hit, <laughs> we decided to... Uh, well, we were very open with our clients and we had to, pretty much go backwards to go forwards because to create space, to create and deliver a program, you know, as you, as you know, too, Laura, like it takes time to create a curriculum. It takes time to test and beta test and get feedback and all of that. And I knew that would take at least a good year or two to really get a solid foundation for a course. Uh, So we, we let go of uh, a a lot of our clients and we were really open and said to them, look, this is at this moment, (laughs) this beginning of 2020, we were just like, yep, we, We've got to, you know, focus on creating this digital arm, and at the moment, we just don't have capacity. We found you someone, da da da, da. Anyway, the pandemic hit. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so that was um, that was interesting. I was also due to get married um, overseas at the end of March in 2020. Oh wow! Um, Yeah, so all of that got cancelled. Of course, a lot of the cash flow was also gone because Anita decided this was going to be the way that we were going to move forward. And it was, you know, a a really stressful, but also, stressful, but also, holy moly, I have now six weeks because I was going to take six weeks away before we were going to go deep into this course element um, to just play to play and to experiment and to figure out what the heck we do now because we've, you know, decided to, and no one was investing, of course, because it was the pandemic, everyone was closing and all of that. So what the heck do we do? So we just pretty much uh, moved everything to two months earlier and I beta tested a course. Um, It sold out pretty much within uh, like, uh, we had 20 people through the beta round um and yeah and then we got the feedback from that we then properly launched it um and since then we've properly launched around four times um we're about to embark on our fifth launch um but that was two two years ago now two years ago now and that that pivot moment or that moment was hard but it was also a really we, we had to go backwards to go forward so for a good three four months we definitely went backwards yeah, uh, when we yes. were in creation mode. So I just want to be uber transparent with that because I think people think when you shift from service to a digital course or when you birth a digital course that it's just everything is just up, 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 but not always. Like mm-hmm. you've got to create time to create this course yes. and something's got to give.
0: Yes. And I think what happens with, with courses and, and any sort of one-to-many offer is – it pays dividends later, but in the initial thing, it is serious grunt work. Yep. It is. Oh yeah. And the going backwards to go forwards thing. I totally get that Anita. And our course story, when we, we did our first launch of my marketing playbook was pretty much the same as you, because we, we'd booked a videographer. He'd hired this red camera. So like A red camera? So it's like um, what they shoot movies on. Oh, So he'd hired this like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gear. I was like, okay, like, do we need this? But cool, like, this is (laughs) going to be awesome. He'd hired that gear and it was just as COVID hit. I remember it was a Tuesday where the government were doing their, like, they were like, hey, we're going into, we're social distancing or what no one knew what that meant. And everyone was like, what the heck is that? Does that even mean? And it was like early March and I remember the venue we were recording at was like, you can't record here. And I was like, hey, I really need to record because we, we've hired all this gear. So they I were like- I don't
1: think you get it. I know, yeah. I was like,
0: seriously. And so in the end, it was like this restaurant, this, this amazing restaurant here in Newcastle. And they were like, you know, well, we'll get someone to drop the key off to the restaurant. You just let yourself in. And like, can you just drop it in our mailbox on the way home? And I was like, sure, perfect, done. So we filmed it. And it was like the world was ending, and we were like, "Okay, we've got to do this because it was now or never." Kind of exactly, yeah, yep.
1: exactly. It's um, and it, you know, on on uh, reflecting back, like in the thick of it, <laughs> it was just effed. Yeah, <laughs> totally. but reflecting back, and I guess that's why I want to be really open. It, it was it looks. Like, we're really happy about it now. But, mm. you know, looking back, gosh,
0: that was a very hard six months. Yeah. Uh,
1: very hard six months. But looking back, it was the best thing that could have happened.
0: Yeah. And I really appreciate your transparency because I think a lot of the time, Instagram makes everything look yeah. really glossy and beautiful and perfect. But it's like behind the scenes, you're like, I am not coping. <laughs> Me a duck. It's literally yeah. like a paddle. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> yes. Now, I, I want to talk because you're the queen of copywriting and I, I want to talk about, um, well, actually, before we go into some practical tips, because I know that you have so much knowledge in this area, but I want to talk to you about one thing that I find that is really unique about your approach is the psychology meets words. Talk to me about how that kind of, those two things intersect.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I need like <laughs> <laughs> grab a cuppa. Yeah. Uh, look, when it comes to psychology and the intersection of that with words, I think that is the thing that I'm most fascinated about when it comes to copywriting. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for asking me this question. Because I think there's one thing to do with, you know, writing words that, you know, definitely needs to sell, it needs to invite action and it needs to connect to emotions. But the delicate choice of words and how it invites completely different emotions and feelings, that's that's very fascinating. So I'll give you a really quick example. So I could say, uh, Laura, I'd, I'd like to work with you versus I'd love to work with you. It's a very, very small tweak in uh, mm. that sentence. It's like three, four words. I've just tweaked one word. But it's a completely different feeling. Um, and that's that's the thing. We don't realise this because sometimes words and language just come out of our mouths very easily, you know. Yes. We don't think about how the delicate tweak in words can actually come together to actually get people to feel something and actually potentially create um, more trust, more connection or more um, – belief in what it is that you're saying. And I think, I mean, if I'm to distill that into like a minute, that's, I guess, the intersection of uh, psychology and words. And the example I gave you there, in a way, um, has also been, there's another study too that's shown how words can paint images in our minds. So I could say Bulba and Kiki, so it's an actual experiment that was done, the words Bulba and Kiki, uh, without saying anything about the shapes of them you know, what do you think the, the Bulba actually represents? Is it round or is it spiky? It's round. It's probably round. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So without me even giving you a slide or a slide deck, you probably think of Bulba as something that's round. You probably think of Kiki as something that is very spiky. Right. That is so so weird. again, right. Yes. So again, and that is a, you know, a sound symbolism. Which is where, by simple word choice, we're able to paint pictures in people's minds. Which I think, and there's so much to, so much more to this, which I find so fascinating. Um, so yeah, that that is how I see the intersection between psychology and words. How our brain is able to take a, word, a vowel, or, you know, yes. a sentence entirely and be able to, the smallest tweak can actually completely change the way you see, feel, um, and read something.
0: Wow. That is, I, I've never heard someone articulate it like that. And I think that is just incredible. So as a copywriter, when you're writing for whether it's your own stuff or for a client, what are you looking at as like this this is the result I, I want all of my copy to do. Is there like something that good copy should always do?
1: Yeah. I would probably say, is this for me personally or is this kind well, of just, just
0: overall? Overall.
1: Yeah. I think when it comes to writing good copy, I think three things come to mind. I think the first thing that comes to mind is it needs to uh, – it needs to sync between where your business is going to go or a business or an organisation, where it's going to go. And it needs to also, so you can't just write copy that's going to do really well just this year. It yeah. really good copy should really stand the test of time and be future proof to almost still be something that can be remembered within like three, four, five years time. It's like I say, spark joy. You think of Marie Kondo, like it sticks.
0: Yeah. So yes. th-
1: I say the first thing is probably it needs to be something that is uh, aligned to a business objective and trajectory. Yeah. Uh, that's one. I think the second thing is it needs to create emotion but it needs to also drive action at the end of the day you can write really epic words and you can string together a really good sounding sentence but if it's just more fluff more information and it doesn't actually get people to actually do what you want them to do which is to hit buy now and to add to card and to actually end up inquiring with you then that's not it hasn't done its job like in a way because great copy uh is about driving action. It's not yeah. just information. That's content, and you know, content and copy is always used interchangeably. But copy is about driving action. Content is about building visibility. So when it comes to copy, I see it as it needs to drive action and get people to feel that connection and that trust to do that thing you want them to do, whether or not it's opt in, whether or not it's to join your course, or whether or not it's to uh, add to cart, whatever it is. Yeah. Um. I think the third final thing that I thought of then in terms of what makes a really good copy is I think it needs to, almost when you're the the audience reading the copy, uh, you need to feel like you're, it's speaking to you. And the only way to do that. Uh, isn't necessarily to approach writing copy from the lens of let me tell you how great my product or my service is and give you a (laughs) list of features and benefits to tell you. That would have worked. Don't get me wrong. That would have worked probably five, six, seven years ago. But there is an influx of competition and that is the only constant competition uh, out there nowadays. So the only way that you can write copy that has you feeling like when, when you're the consumer that it's talking to you is to first place the goal to understand the human first, uh, and know them back to front, like literally like what, like, are they going to use the words I want to find a copywriter or are they going to want to search for the words, uh, I, uh, I'm lost for words or I don't know how to get my message out there. Like they're probably not going to search copywriter necessarily, yeah, right? Yes. So understanding the language and the words that our audience use, and that changes. Um, You know, it's ever-changing because how we describe our pain points, how we describe our aspirations and our desires, they change. So I think really good copy moves with the human instead of trying to move with just trying to describe a particular product and trying to make it sound awesome.
0: I love that. And I love the idea of it at the same time being able to – be timeless and stand the test of time whilst also simultaneously moving with what your actual prospect is looking for and the words that they're Mm. using to describe the pain point that they're experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yes. (laughs) So what do you think, Anita, is the biggest myth about copywriting that you hear all the time?
1: Hmm. I think when it comes to copywriting, a lot of people think it's simply the idea of being able to uh, communicate your product or your offer very clearly. I think one of the biggest reasons why, you know, the original, the the initial, sorry, initial inquiry that usually comes in is, I need to get a website or I need to get some words on a website. It's Mm -hmm. usually always that when copywriting is not just on the website, (laughs) copywriting is also... On emails, copywriting is also in social media ads. To like, it's everywhere. So you know, the idea that you simply need copywriting on your website, I think, is probably one of the biggest myths. Because, and this is where I see a lot of disconnect for business owners when they invest in a copywriter. They get a really you know well written website, or a copywriter has poured their heart into this website, but then. They themselves, in a way, don't believe it or they themselves don't align with it. They don't talk about it and it starts falling apart in their captions. It starts falling apart in their emails. They don't even send emails because they don't know how to continue this conversation across all of these other platforms that also need copy. Yes. So I think the myth is that it's just copywriting. You just need it for a landing page or a website and your about page and then you're set. That's done. Um, but it's not the case. Like it's the ability to write copy. Um, I personally think I might be biased, but I think it's it's key for any business owner. Because yeah. to be able to answer the question of why now is important with any business. If you can answer the question of why should your audience buy right now, not tomorrow, not, not next week, but now the ability to wrap words around that at any time, that is what's going to really help you stand out and uh, bulletproof yourself. Yes.
0: Yeah. I love it. And, you know, because from our angle, we're always thinking about marketing. Mm. I, i am always thinking and saying, if anyone, everyone listening has heard me say this before, but in marketing, the best communicator wins. And so Mm. it's, it's just actually investing in the skill of learning how to write really compelling copy. I think it's such a good skill for business owners to learn because if you can communicate with clarity, you can not only connect with people, but you can actually communicate why the, exactly what you're saying why now, and move get people to move their feet and actually take mm. action because oh, I just think it, communication is the single most important marketing strategy that you have, and yep. it happens in your it happens visually in your branding, it happens in your imagery, but it happens the most in your words because humans that's that's what we use you know so I think. Mm it's such an important skill for business owners to develop. It's not a once and done kind of situation. I think it's such a, and. Well, yeah, it's, it's true. Like to, to echo in what you were saying there, Laura, like without words,
1: uh, your Instagram post is just an attention grab. Like it's just a graphic. You, You still need words to create or get people to take action. Um, <laughs> totally. to go to your
0: bio, <laughs> you know, even reels, reels yeah. nowadays. What, what is it without words? Yeah, so true. It's such a good point. And I think, and this is where I feel like if, if, as for anyone listening, if you can understand the strategy behind the words that you're using, it's not just going to happen on your website, it's going to happen mm-hmm. in your reels. Because if you're talking to camera and you're like, well, I know, the language that my customers use. Mm. And I know what I, how I need to structure this, you know, it just, it permeates all of the avenues. and It's like an octopus. It is. It's like an octopus. (laughs) It seriously is. So Anita, for someone listening, I just want to get a few of your, your tips on DIYing copy, because a lot of our listeners are creatives And they are in the startup phase and wanting to DIY as much as possible before potentially engaging and outsourcing. So for someone listening, and I know that you have so many templates, and I I want you to share about those because they're going to help a lot of people listening. For someone listening who wants to DIY their copy, what do you think is like ground zero? Where do we start?
1: Yes. I like this question. Um, (laughs) I would say if I'm just to share one thing as to where you start, uh, get lurking and get listening uh, in terms of your customers, not your competitors, not what's around you. Listen and lurk the heck out of what's going on in your audience's world. And I'm talking about, what do I mean by that? I mean, listen to what they're complaining about, listen to what their pain points are, listen to how they word up their pain points Uh, get an understanding of even troll through the freaking comments see what they say in forums like get lurking (laughs) get lurking look at what they you know may say in I don't know Facebook groups to communities to mastermind groups what are people actually talking about when it comes to what it is that you're doing for example copywriting for example marketing or for example I don't know trying to find that dress whatever it is that you sell get lurking as to what your audience is already saying because Because I, very similar to what you mentioned before, marketing is a conversation. Yes. So when we can continue that conversation and when we know where to pick off with the conversation, that is where a lot of the magic happens. And that is when your audience is going to feel like you're talking to them because the conversation is already happening. It's everywhere around us, but we're not paying attention to it. We're paying attention to what's going on with the competitors. We're paying attention to the latest freaking $27 bundle that's getting targeted to us. We're getting we're getting all these different things getting you know, grabbing our attention, but we're not paying attention to one of the most important things of all, your clients or your customers or people who are your dream audience. And if we can pay attention to what they're already talking about what they're already sharing out there. Um, I think that is probably where I would start first because you want to continue that conversation.
0: Yes. I love what you said about the conversation is already happening. And a lot mm. of the time, do you find, Anita, and that when, when you're writing copy, you're thinking about the, convers- the internal conversation that this prospect is having as well?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. A lot of the time they might share it. A lot of the time too they are thinking it, but they're probably not saying it. And I guess that's where, you know, there's so many different this is where it gets quite subjective because Mm. each person will have completely different things that they're thinking and not saying. And a lot of the time it's like, oh, I don't know if this is going to what makes this brand different anyway? Like they're not a lot of them are going to say that out loud yeah. but they're thinking it you know they're thinking well what makes this brand different or you know am I going to get my ROI on this and yeah. a lot of the things that they're probably thinking but not necessarily saying um but a hundred percent like so what they're saying externally but also internally and I
0: think there's something to be said for uh, I know for us a lot of the time the question that I know our client our client our dream clients asking is yeah that sounds great but is this going to work for me mm. and it's like this mixture of a healthy cynicism of like yeah like is this going to work it like are you just overselling something which I completely understand that cynicism mm. and a, a lack of confidence so it's yeah. like there's two things that are really like it, these two things that are kind of there in that idea well is this going to work for me it's like I've tried other things it's not worked before I like there's there's a lot of beliefs that have gone into that question and so yes. it's ah it's like crazy the psychology side of it thinking about that is yeah it's just, and crazy. it's ever changing.
1: It's exactly yeah. what you said. Like it's ever changing because the reason why people are now skeptical, the people, the, the reason why trust has eroded is mm. because there have been people who have purchased a lot of these things and they overpromise and it's so easy to put in nice words and buff it up and all of that. But then when they don't get it, like they're just like, well, are you just saying that that is a, the last sale you ever have? And then next minute you have another sale in like a, <laughs> a yes. in a month or two. I don't know <laughs> about. Yes. You, but there's a brand that comes to mind who always says the closing down sale, and then they're like still here ten years later. It's do you know,
0: it's like every rug store. Like, yeah. Yeah. have you ever seen a, That's rug, I was thinking. a rug store that doesn't have a closing down sale, or like um those ki- tiles? Yeah, tiles or the kitchen. Um, the kitchen shops in the shopping centres. Oh my every gosh! Time yeah. I'm like, yeah. Actually, one time we walked into one, and my husband was like why do you guys have all these posters, like posters suspended from the ceiling? They're all over the front of the thing. And he's like, are you guys closing? And they're like, no. The posters just work. <laughs> it just it's just
1: like, it's like eb it's like eb games. <laughs> yes. it's just funny. It's like oh no, they just work. It's like okay. three hundred and sixty six days. It's oh always the same. Yeah, that's yeah. A I mean, that's the that's the reason, right? Like, but but also a lot of other reasons why you know our trust is re- eroded. But it's that's why at the heart of it, you've got to take the time to really understand the human and the, the yes. psychology behind how we think, because that is ever changing. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. So someone's starting to write copy. They have lurked and listened to their customer and they've kind of done their research. How do you get yourself in the zone and what do you do when you feel stuck and you've got writer's block? Mm,
1: I think when it comes to, uh, this, so there's two things to this. I think the first, I'll talk to the writer's block first. Um, you know, I, I sometimes have writer's block too, but I also think the idea of what a writer's block is is also misconstrued because the reason why we actually have a writer's block a lot of the time um, is because I think uh, of these three reasons: one, uh, we don't have enough information to be able to write what mm. we're about to write; mm-hmm. secondly, there is no structure, like so there's all, it's all over the place in your brain. Maybe you have too much information and you have no structure to know how to actually convey this in a way that is going to just be clean or easy to consume. Yeah. Or number three, you're just hecking tired and you should probably go sleep. Uh, yeah <laughs> If you are tired and you're exhausted, probably don't try to write your about page or probably try not to write a sales page. So, you know, a lot of the time, these are the three biggest reasons why people have a writer's block, which, you know, when we can then reverse engineer that, then if you obviously don't have enough information to be able to write what you are selling or know what it is that you're actually selling, then you're going to feel stuck. You won't know where to start. And when you don't have a structure, you're overwhelmed. So then again, you don't know where to even, how to even frame it. Um, And I think one of the things that's key here um, when it comes to, and I guess this is why I want to start with that first, because when you want to get yourself in the zone, but also to somewhat cure writer's block, yes, have a structure, yes, get some sleep and obviously know what it is that you're actually selling. But I think one thing that really helps is to just... It sounds so simple, but just get clear on the intention and the objective that you're trying to achieve with whatever it is that you're about to write. Are you trying to get someone to feel connected to you? Are you trying to get someone to actually buy now? Is this a sales email? Is this a sales page? Are you trying to just let people know what it is you offer? Like, what is your intention? What is your objective? If you can just... First of all, before you write anything, really just, you don't have to tell anyone, you don't have to write it down or you could write down, but just have an idea of what it is that you're trying to achieve here, whatever it is that you're writing. Um, And I think that helps not only cure the writer's block, but I think it helps you get in the zone because then you've got a bit of an idea and a bit of a feeling as to what it is that you're working towards.
0: Ah, Anita, that is incredible. Now, can you just tell us as we finish up, You have a cool freebie and I want you to tell us where people can get that because I know that there are so many more hacks and tricks that you're going to be sharing and I know our listeners really will want to hear this. So, where can people get that freebie from you because I know the writer's block is kind of part of that guide,
1: right? Yes, so I do dive into that a bit more, a few more tricks in there. So, we have actually just launched, uh, it's called the 7 Copy Hacks to boost conversions um it's probably the first new freebie we've launched in like four or five years so i'm very Yay. excited about it <laughs> uh but you can get it at com forward slash copy hacks um and yeah. every day over seven days it's uh, uh, an email that's kind of sent with a five minute 10
0: minute bite size lesson <laughs> i hear a dog i hear a dog in the background <laughs> Anita, thank you so much for sharing so much strategy today. So many, like, honestly, I'm like trying to scribble and I don't have a pen, so I've only got this Sharpie. And so I'm trying to scribble and it's just not. It's It's making marks on the table. totally, Totally. Where can people follow you? Where can people connect with you more? Oh, that has been so
1: much fun! I could talk to you for ages. I um Yes, you people can find me on uh, personally Anita Seek on Instagram. Uh, our brand Wordfetty uh, W O R D F E T T I. Pretty much Wordfetty everywhere. Wordfettygroup dot um, and we also have a podcast called Brandfetty.
0: <laughs> Incredible. Well, thank you so much for spending the time. I'm. I know that there are so many things that our listeners are going to take away so huge thank you and i'm very very grateful to have had you here
1: thank you so much for having me you're a gem
0: well there you have it that is the play by play for this week i hope that you found this inspiring i know that this is going to help you to level up your copy and to connect more with your clients and your customers, and hopefully to sell more of your product or your service. I hope that you have taken notes um, and that you can take some things away and implement into your business. Now, if you want any of the links Uh, If you want to also access that freebie that Anita mentioned, head on over to our show notes and we will have all of those links in there for you. I hope that you have enjoyed this conversation. Remember to send me a DM and let me know what you loved most about this episode. Let me know where you're listening in from. And if you loved this episode, please share it. Please share it with your business besties. Leave us a review. We would so, so appreciate that. In the meantime, we will see you same time, same place next week. Go get them, my friend.